I don't know. Duck and cover, bitches. Everybody. Hey. How are you doing, Brett? How are you doing this lovely day? <sighs> you know, it's uh what the fuck day is it? Sunday. <laughs> it is Sunday. <laughs> it's a Sunday. It was actually a very leisurely Sunday. Hmm. Um, I've been high on all kinds of medications because these damn spider bites are not leaving me alone. Mm. Um, so I slept most of the morning off and on watching um pretty cool VHS uploads on YouTube this morning um, <laughs> about Hurricane Andrew, which I'm going to talk about today. Perfect. Yes. So super stoked. So it was a very chill day. I got to walk my dog, hang out in Willow Glen and just kind of chill. And it was great. It was lovely. And now I'm here in a closet and drinking wine. Do you want to tell people what they're listening to? Um, yeah. We're the listening podcast to... Name? Uh, I was like... Yeah, you're listening to a fucking podcast about weather. What's the problem? <laughs> Guys, you're listening know. to Particularly a Dangerous Situation, uh, otherwise known as PDS. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a weather term. Don't know if you know. A particularly dangerous situation, which means typically that there is just that. Look yeah. out. Shit's coming down. Yep. Raining cats and dogs, tornadoes everywhere, earthquakes going on, fires, you name it. It's a particularly dangerous situation. Get yourself out. Yes. So you're listening to a podcast where we discuss and talk about disasters. And Mm -hmm. we also promote preparedness. We try to make sure victims are known um, and how it changed uh, different regulations. And and also, as a side note, which I believe I said this before, I do want people to check out the website because we do have many different disaster relief nonprofits that you can donate to. Yay. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Do you know what what just hit me? What? We're in closets. This is like totally a weather thing. (laughs) Well, for some of the weather. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, mean, mine is. That's where everybody hid during Hurricane Andrew. Yeah. My, the back wall right behind me actually is like an outside wall. So you'd be dead. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this house is just fine. Let's just clarify. Yeah. (laughs) This house is from, this house is a hundred years old and has not been renovated since essentially. So just going to fall to pieces. I might have a. Not safe. Hashtag nothing. Hashtag on a budget. Hashtag Portland's too expensive. Hashtag I'm a poor girl. Hashtag I'm almost out of college. Thank God. Hashtag, hashtag I need a big kid job. Hashtag it's also not a tent. So hashtag you got that going for Hashtag hire me. Hashtag please like this podcast and subscribe. So many hashtags. We are both in closets right now. Yep. This is actually Brett's brilliant idea because um, she was getting some <gasps> echo in her room. And I'm pretty, I mean, I had an okay setup, but I think it could have been better. Uh, and everything is a step-by-step for us right now. So she's like, I'm going to go in my walk-in closet. And I said, I'm going to go in my fake walk-in closet. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I have a curtain behind me. Uh, to, I'm just trying to erase as much echo as I can, essentially. Same. Same. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, dampen. I, I could tell the difference between you on the first podcast versus me. And I was like, yeah, that's really, oh, yeah. Um, that was, bad. yeah, I did. I actually, so with the spider bite situation, so I don't know if you, you folks know, I think we talked about it actually in the last episode. I think so. That's when it actually occurred. And I was showing you my sweet little vampire bite. Um, the itching has gone away, which is great, but I still have the pain, which totally sucks. And mm-hmm. I did attempt to do natural remedy before. So for the first two days, I was just dosing something called T-cell, which is um, basically desiccated 
um, thymus and lymph glands. And so I was just inundating my body with it because what it does is supposed to um, ramp up your white blood cells Mm -hmm. to fight whatever it is you're fighting. So I was like, okay, I'll just inundate myself with the T cells. And then when I showed my boss, he was like, oh, take some drainage because my lymph nodes were swollen. So I needed to help my lymph nodes drain. But then I forgot to take the charcoal because charcoal is supposed to bind to the toxins and I completely forgot. And I was like, fuck, at this point, I'm already in pain. I just need to go to the urgent care. So one of the things that we talk about on this podcast um, is emergency preparedness. So I'm going to plug in now, um, ready.gov. Yes. You can edit this in there, but um, always be ready for a situation. And in my case, I, I was re- I was ready to go to the doctor. <laughs> so <laughs> You hit uh, that point. I hit that point. I hit that point. I was like, all right, when you're that swollen and you have nerve and muscle pain, it's like time to just freaking go. So I did. And not very happy about having to take steroids, but it is what yeah. it is. I mean, when you need the help, you need the help, you know? Yeah. So... I was going to say with that too, with the ready.gov and the emergency preparedness, which I need to do is make sure you have some medication. Yeah. Your normal medication that you take, you want extra. And then also ibuprofen or Benadryl or just things that you might need that you take, especially ibuprofen, just in case if you get injured, that's going to be really helpful. Yeah. Tylenol, Um, ibuprofen, a mixture of the two, whatever. I mean, interestingly enough, anytime AJ and I ever have ever had like a really serious injury and or surgery. Now the efficacy of medication goes, you know, significantly lower as time goes on. So I get it. And at some point we usually just kind of roll them out or switch them out. Yeah. But if we ever have surgeries or something more serious where we get prescription medication, we put two or three aside in that bug out bag for extenuating circumstances. Cause it's like, okay, well, what happens if like something falls on me and my arm gets chopped off? Like a Tylenol ain't going to do the trick. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, I'm like not give me all the whiskey, (laughs) all the whiskey. And like you said, even though the the effects, I cannot say it, but even though it like weans off after what? Thank yeah. you. Even though like, yeah, it gets less and less powerful over time. It right. doesn't mean that it won't work. Correct. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I've taken half Vicodins and it still works. So yeah, you're fine still. Yep, exactly. So um, always be prepared. Um, okay. Ready.gov is a great resource for yeah. that. Uh, that's been my day. How was your Sunday? Oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I had some brunch with the girls and um the new baby and she mostly slept during it and that was really nice and I came home and I pretended like I was gonna do editing and then I didn't and instead I did research on podcasting stuff because my nerd you know that's what I do. Your nerd self came out. Then now I set up my closet as a podcasting studio and I am sitting on the floor with a heating pad in my lap because it is very cold. I'm not okay. So actually, my closet's surprisingly warm, even though it's kind of chilly for um, Northern California. Yeah. Um, I also want to. Uh, I don't want to say preface because that's not the right word. I want to explain that uh, Brina just said <laughs> hung out with the baby and did. Cry, and I was like, wait, does do our, does our listeners? Know, you don't have a baby. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, sorry, a friend's baby. My friend. And I thought had about a baby. it. I was like. We should say it's a friend's baby because otherwise people are like, oh my God, you're pregnant. What? Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like, what if like your friends like started listening to this podcast and they're like, wait, Brina, you have a baby? Yeah. Oh my God, what did I, what did I miss? You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, uh, I have no children. Uh, <laughs> For babies. 
I have two fur babies. You have two fur babies. I do. Both have fur babies. No children. Um, Maybe one day though. But no, my friend just had a cute little baby that I call Elbel. And Mm. she's pretty precious. She's adorable. She really is. Yeah. Super, super cute. Um, I actually just got um, uh, an announcement while I was at lunch today. My cousin Christina is pregnant. Yay. Uh, Yay, Christina. Congratulations. Happy pregnancy. She's going to have a little girl. They did a reveal today. Super cute. She sent me a video of it. And I was like, okay. And then she sent me a text and says, we're going to need a 49ers jersey. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, girl. We're going to bring her up as a fan from the beginning. So from the start, from the start. Love it. Uh, so, uh, today we are going to talk about, um, so I'm, I'm doing hurricane Andrew. Um, I'm sure if even, even our millennial group probably knows about that because even in preparation for hurricanes, it's one of the deadliest on record. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be my topic today. Um, Bree, what are you talking about? Um, I'm talking about the Boston molasses flood, which technically isn't weather related, but slightly can be when we go into the description of how it happened. Yes. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, uh, oh, also prefacing this by um, these are both East Coast happenings. Oh, so, they yay. are. East Coast. Yes. Um, I don't care. I could go first if you want me. Okay. Uh, yeah, go for it. Let's, let's talk about some molasses. Actually, I can funny, funny little side and completely nothing to do with this podcast whatsoever. But (laughs) there was this little thing that my mom used to do when we were little to entertain herself. I'm pretty sure. Um, she told (laughs) us to hold our tongues and say molasses on the table. And I don't know if you've ever tried it. But let's try it now. Hold your tongue. Molasses on the table. Molasses on the table. Right? It's not easy. And it sounds like my ass is on the table. And my mom yeah. would just crack up dying laughing. And I was like, okay, very uh, funny. Mom, I always remember immature. that. Yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So the Boston molasses disaster or flood or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I want to give some shout outs because I listened to a couple or some podcasts and I looked up some sites for this and to try to get some old news articles from the time mm. as well. Yeah. So the podcast I listened to is um, This Day in History class from How Things How Stuff Works. And that was like a five minute podcast, which is nice. I love How Stuff Works. Uh, yeah. That is a great website. And it was a really great like quick summary, a really amazing five minute summary, tell you the truth of yep. what happened. Yeah, they're, um, they're excellent summarizers. Yes. Futility Closet Podcast, New England Legends, and Greg Ross. Mm. These, especially the last three ones I've never purposely listened to, they were all really lovely um, podcasts, by the way. So Is Greg you Ross get to Bob Ross? I don't know. That's a good question. And then the sites I went to was, surprise, surprise, Wikipedia, because that's always mm. the starting point when you Google anyways. That's the first thing that comes up. 100%. Yeah, and you get a lot of good references in there anyways. And then yep. boston.com and then bostonglobe.com. And it was between all that. I mean, that's seven sources. So I was able to get a lot out of it. Nice. So try to write almost, it's not really a script. I write like almost like a mini essay because I realize it's easier that way. And I hopefully say less ums and so's. We'll see. And I pretend like I'm funny. Good. I'm not. So, <laughs> P.S. No. Yeah. P.S. I make bad dad jokes. Um, all right. So, in 1915, on Commercial Street in Boston was the Purity Distillery Company, the company who created an industrial alcohol for munitions during the First World War, needed 
close proximity to the railroad and the harbor, which was important since molasses traveled on a 5,500 ton streamer. If that's not a run-in sentence, I don't know what is. Wait, what? A, a streamer? So, oh, a, a steamer. I'm so oh. sorry. <laughs> like, what's the streamer? <laughs> is this something new? Sorry. A, uh, okay. All right. And I wrote steamer, steamer, but I said streamer. Okay. Um. So, yeah, a big-ass boat. So, it, it was this company that took molasses, turned it into alcohol that was used to make munitions. Wow. This was getting close to prohibition. So actually places, it's funny reading the old news articles because it's like 39 states going to prohibition, this and that. And like the law is coming through and you're like, oh yeah, this is like coming on up. Yeah. So. Wow. And I had to make sure I was like munitions. I think that has to do with like weapons. It does. I just had to make sure. Yes. So yeah. So it came up and so they had to be by the railroad so they can take it out of the, um, the tank, the molasses to get it away. And they needed the harbor. The steamer brought molasses from Puerto Rico, Cuba, and the West Indies. And it brought it to Baltimore, New York, and Boston. Okay. And so those were the three places where the molasses was stored. It is then taken on the railroad to its next destination. So I hope that all makes sense now. and It's all cleared up. Got it. So that was 1915 when this was built. Um, So in 1917, two years after the tank being built, a uh, purity distillery company was purchased by the United States Industrial Alcohol Company. <laughs> so the 2.5 L's in there. Yeah. <sighs> and I'm trying to like actually pronunciate the 2.5 million gallon gallon tank was built reaching 50 feet tall, which I think is pretty typical for tanks. They decided to cut corners, of course. So they used metal that was far too thin and brittle for the construction. It was actually the same metal that they used for the Titanic. Shut the front door. And we all know how that went. (laughs) (laughs) Not well. Not well. Oh, not well at all. That iceberg got way in there and made a big old hole. Well, you know, lesson learned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta work through it. That was like years before they built this tank and they Mm. still use the same kind of metal. You think they learned. Dumbasses. They're like, oh, what's filling the last is not people. We're good. Yeah, it's fine. And I think I wrote, which was not a great ending to that story. (laughs) Not at all. Definitely not. So the neighborhood was mostly Italian immigrants and they were talking about the groans and rumbling that the tank like made all the time. And so it was a pretty common to hear the tank making noises. Not only that, but the molasses leaked and dripped down the sides of the tank. And this was like, yeah, as soon as they built it, it was leaking. Wow. So it was not a sturdy. So it had already leaks coming out of it. So people would go up to it and like collect the molasses and make like popsicles and use it in baking and take it home. And that's which, exactly what I was doing. I was just thinking that I'm like, I'd just be there with a bucket. Completely you know? genius. Yeah. So the company could have taken the more safe and expensive step to fix and rebuild it, but no. What do they do? Do you want to know what they do? Do you want to guess what they do? Okay, wait, wait. So do they just patch it up with the same shitty metal? <laughs> Even worse. Oh, they no. paint it brown. Are you shitting me? So they paint it brown to try to camouflage the molasses that's leaking out. 
So they don't oh even try to fix God. it. They just like, hey, this no way, one's no going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> like you would think just patching it would be pretty bad, right? January 15th, 1919, four years after the tank was built, there was a new warm delivery molasses added to the tank, bringing up the level to 2.3 million gallons. This <gasps> tank was built to hold 2.5 million. So it was almost all almost the way full. full. So okay. This the molasses that was already in there was already kind of cooled down, and this new uh. molasses was warm. Oh, you don't do that. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I've done that with bacon grease, and Ooh. that was bad news. Yeah, yes. Yep. So by the afternoon, the temperature raised to 40 degrees in the city. It was it's cold, it's winter. I, I, yeah, it's yes. cold, but like kind of a warmer cold, I guess you could say. Yeah. So those around the tank said they heard rambling and groaning by the tank, sounds that they're used to by now. However, uh-huh. this time it was a little bit different. People noted they suddenly heard what sounded like rapid gunfire and a louder rumble <gasps> than usual. Oh, oh no, that's bad. That's bad. bad. That's bad. Yep, yep. You are correct, <laughs> Brett. That is bad. <laughs> that is not good. Ding, ding, ding. As the warm and cooled molasses mix, it began to ferment and create ethanol glass. Oh my gosh. It began to ferment ferment and create ethanol gas a pressure that the tank could no longer take oh god i didn't realize it would do that that's bad that's horrible i didn't didn't know it did that either but i guess because that's part of the reason using the molasses because they convert it to alcohol i guess and i think somehow maybe they maybe they use the ethanol gas for something or they like basically released it like they would natural gas so they like you know they you know got it out like okay. a steamer and a pressure cooker. This is something. Oh my God. This is something too that I wish I kind of like, what do you make with this? But I did not do that. So shit. Okay. We all have Google too. So <laughs> <laughs> look it up. Suddenly the tank exploded. That rapid gunfire that was heard earlier, that was yeah. the rivets shooting out of the tank as it exploded. Oh, I wonder if anyone was injured from I well, bet you they were. Debris well, did fly. I mean, it depends. Oh, know. I mean, the de- some of the debris flew. 200 feet away okay from the somebody had to be hit by a rivet then and i had wish i be. had some kind of metal because we all know it'd be like i can't do it and i'm trying to hit like metal yeah but like we all know that no. sound probably too yeah i mean you can tell when something's like legit popping like dink 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 like you know yes. you know what i mean and if they're saying it sounds like gunfire so it's like if you're thinking about it there were probably ver- relatively large rivets considering yeah. the size of the tank yeah it's going to sound like a gunshot, not dink. It's going to sound like a like a, a louder one. And it's just metal uh, coming out of metal. Yeah, it's got a yeah. very distinct sound for sure. And when you think sure. about it, because it is being pushed out, kind of like with gunfire yep. being pushed Force. out with a yep. chemical reaction. Yep. So yeah, holy shit. That's fucking crazy. Well, pretty sure you can guess what that rumble was. <laughs> um. I don't know. Did somebody have gas? <laughs> it was a baby with gas. So the <laughs> 2.3 million gallon molasses came out as a 15 foot wave oh, at shit. 35 miles per hour. People obviously I had to see this. <laughs> I wanted to see this. Yeah. Like I can't fathom that. And no one else, like people like no idea was coming. Like people had a feeling it was going to happen, but no yeah. one was like, what's that noise? Oh, here comes a molasses tsunami. Like yeah. that's not a normal thought. That's not thought. a normal thought. No, not no. at all. The wave picked up a truck and pushed into the harbor. Somehow Jeez. a train conductor was able to stop or reverse a train to escape destruction, but I think it like threw it off the rail still. 
Yeah. A firefighter discussed how it took the station off the foundations and they actually have picture of this. Oh, um, you need so, to post that on our Insta. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I will. If people request it. Exactly. If you request it, Yay. I can do that. So a patrolman, F.R. Macmus, Ma- wait, F.R. Macmanus. Uh, okay. <laughs> M-C-M-A-N-U-S. The very- McManus. Thank you. McManus. Yep. Uh, was about 100 feet away from the tank. And he was quoted saying, when I felt something wet and sticky substance strike me about the shoulders, he thought it was mud at first. Oh. So again, 15 feet. So this molasses wave hit him at his shoulders. Oh, geez. Like that's so high. That's high. A force that's a too. big wave. Yeah, that's a big and that, wave. At least after the, you know, like the 15 feet initially, even at that calming down, you know, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. That's a lot of molasses. I mean, it's 2.3 million gallons. Jesus. I can't even picture what that is. Like, no, I have no clue. Me either. One gallon seems like enough molasses. H.M. <laughs> Dorley said he knew one day it would explode um, oh. as others in the neighborhood thought. So he was one of the ones who were quoted like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen, but holy shit, it actually happened. Mm-hmm. So him, Dorley, and his coworkers were stuck in an office. So he worked by the area for an hour and he had to wait for the molasses like height, avalanche. I don't even know what to call it now, but you know, it's high in the streets. Wait for yeah, it to yeah, calm yeah. down. He had to and wait get for it lower. to go down. Yeah. To escape because I think it was just like so sticky that it's hard to open the doors too. Oh, geez. So yeah, this to make it towards manageable enough to evacuate the building. So buildings collapse. As I said, we had the 200 feet of flying debris sprinkled the area and people became entrapped in molasses, which (gasps) mimics quicksand. So molasses, and I'm sorry, because this gets really sad, like this next part, and I'm really sorry, but it's kind of important of why things have changed. Yeah. So molasses is 40% thicker than water. And like I said, it acts kind of like quicksand. So more that people struggle, more they become stuck. Oh, so if they're trying to get out, it just kind of can pull you down. One of the firefighters that were mentioned earlier, one of them passed away. They had, I think, like 15 inches, but like it was filled where they were that they only had like a area where they could stick their heads up to breathe. Oh, my God. That's um, crazy. Yeah. And it traveled <clears throat> a half mile down Commercial Street. So Whoa. it went like through a half mile down and it went out there's a gift that i'm hoping will work that i can like post somewhere and that shows it where it just goes out and then into the harbor wow which like i said it took um a truck in the harbor yeah it's pretty heartbreaking so this crazy disaster as many disasters are is incredibly devastating it took the lives of 21 people and injured at least 50 people there's numbers Ooh. up to 150 which could be very possible and it killed 25 horses, which in 1919 is really sad, too, because the horses are used for a lot of different things in that time. That is crazy. Some were pulled from the molasses spring. Not- oh, okay. Some that were pulled from the molasses were not recognizable because they were in a layer of sticky mess. So the molasses covered them almost like an oil slick and was in their like any orifices they had were covered and like their eyes were covered. So people that they were able to save, they were able to kind of like, you know, save them, get it out, but they were not recognizable. And the people that they were already passed away that drowned in molasses, they couldn't recognize them because of this layer because how Jesus. thick the molasses was. Wow. Yeah. And um, 
the um, the damage, like, you know, there's building damage, there's cars, and then, like, people had broken bones, bashed in skulls, like, every kind, because, again, the force that it came through was astounding. That was, a you know, 35 miles per hour, and with that um, density of yeah. molasses. So it left behind about two to three feet of molasses covering the area. Rescues, rescuers trying to find survivors had to work harder over the next four days, and as the night took as the night took the, oh my God, why did I do this? Try to make it sound fancier. <laughs> so as it turned to night, the temperature dropped and hardened the molasses. Oh, yeah, like molasses in winter. You know, yeah. we talk about how that's just like that is and it's, slow moving. So if it's 40 degrees during the day, it had to be colder at night. So that's when they had to bring out saws and chisels and whatever else they could oh to like chip away at the molasses. So first responders and other took the molasses on their clothes and shoes and people who like went to look at it and then tracked it all over the city. So oh. you could find molasses on the streets, on the transit, in the buildings. And so I'm looking that, at pictures right now, actually. Yeah, so a little sidebar here. I've actually gone out and like started looking at some of these pictures. It looks like they're just like, because everything's in black and white. So it looks like they're walking through a rainy street. But when you realize it's molasses, it's that much worse. Oh, yeah. my God. It's crazy. That's because it's so sticky. So even walking through that, like trying to walk through like really wet mud or something, like oh my god, or, you know, when your feet get stuck in like melting snow or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, nuts. So and yeah, and so like since it went everywhere, people took it everywhere. It spread through the city. Oh wow! Uh, four they they searched for four days. They also four months after found recovered a body in the harbor of someone who died from the flood. Wow. Did I actually I don't think I wrote down how many days, but it took months to clean up, like months and months to clean up. And so they had to use pumps and again chisels in different ways to take it out because it like flooded cellars and basements. So imagining oh. like it oozed into there and then they have to like find a way to get it out, but then you have hardened and it not all hardened and it was just a m- little mess. Like yeah. oh my gosh, such a mess. Wow. So the United States Industrial Alcohol Company battled lawsuits after. Ooh. So another thing where first off, they they built a shitty tank. Yeah. They did not repair the shitty tank. And now they try to blame the explosion on Italian anarchists. Oh, God. Because they said that the anarchists wanted to blow it up because it was used to make munitions and they were against the war. Oh, First off, how dare you turn against your neighborhood because this neighborhood is mostly an Italian neighborhood. Second of all, fuck you. This is your fault. Like yeah. you took the shoddy um, shortcut. Shoddy workmanship, man. Yeah. Like yeah. you didn't even try. Come on. Let's so, be real, people. Yeah. And thank God the judge was like, yeah, that's bullshit. So yeah. they were required them to pay. So they had at least two big lawsuits and I think one was at least a civil suit. I was reading through the newspapers and the old newspapers and trying to get the information. So the information is kind of hard to get direct numbers. And even yeah. in the articles, they're kind of like different. So I kind of have like estimates. The one number that I saw repeating was at least some of the victims uh, were in a civil suit and they got $6,000 each and that's in 1919 money, which right. is at least something. And then the city got at least two hundred and fifty thousand, um, but possibly up to one million. The damage wow. was estimated to be the equivalent to a hundred million dollars. 
That's a lot back in 1919. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, it's quite a bit. And even the 6,000, I don't think it's enough still, but it's still something, you know, like, yeah. but it's hard because people lost their lives better in it. Nothing. Yeah, wow. it's better than nothing, but people lost their lives in it. And it's really, it's just frustrating. Okay. So little quick sidebar as I'm yeah. Googling pictures of this molasses flood, because I'm intrigued. Um, I would love to, I, I was just like, okay, I want to see what molasses looks like all over a city. And so yeah. I go out and look. And again, they're mostly black and white pictures. Um, so it looks like rain, but it, if you envision, it's probably much stickier, of course. Um, they did do color photos where they like they changed. They basically add what they assumed would be the color at the time. I was just going to ask that. Um, not joking and kind of cool. On redbubble.com, there is a pair of City of Boston, Massachusetts, Great Molasses Flood 1919 leggings. Oh, God. I don't know. that. That's a little weird to me, though. <laughs> you want some mola- molasses flood leggings? I just feel like it's uh, it's kind of like the people <sighs> try to make the sweatshirts that have the schools that had school shootings. It's kind of like... I, it's. It's that. Off like, tragedy so, is a little too much like that. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it just, but it kind of, I mean, I'm not going to lie. They look pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> the leggings look pretty cool. Exquisitely designed and beautiful. Anyway. Okay. Sidebar. Oh. Done. Sorry. Now I'm looking up photos, <laughs> but now I can't see. So I, I know. I didn't I'm going to the... send you the link because it's amazing. Oh, yeah. And I didn't get to look at any color photos. I forgot to like see. Well, it's basically like, so um, they, just they actually. Them. Yeah, exactly. So they, you know, like when they colorize films or when they do things like that, my, yeah. my husband and I actually just watched a, um, uh, shit, I can't remember what it's called now. There's a documentary on either Netflix or Amazon right now that is colorized, um, videos from uh-huh. World War II, which just his grandfather was in World War II. So, oh, okay. yeah. So we watched that and we're just like, whoa, it was pretty epic to see stuff in color. It just yeah. makes it seem even more real. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. They have a lot of so, paintings too. I think the paintings help even. Yeah. Good paintings. Yeah. Yep. They have like a placard there now. And something that me and Brett are going to talk about, well, she's going to talk about as well, is that um, in her story is that this brought regulation updates for buildings. Yes. Which is important and unfortunate yep. that the disasters have to happen. Um, after the disaster, Boston and many other cities began to require the calculations and plans to be turned into the city by the engineer and the architect and or depending um, approved and signed. So now you just can't go off and build your own thing. And it is because it's for the safety of everyone. Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes it's frustrating. Like I just want to build my own house. Let me just do it. But also what if you sell that house later on? And what if you put 2.3 million of gallons of molasses in your house and it explodes like you know you never know how dare you <laughs> please don't do that what if you build a meth lab and extra explode but um yeah these you just have you you have to listen to code and actually crazy thing and i'm sure you know brina you know this but like mm-hmm. in california it's so oh. so strict out here it's very it's expensive. so expensive oh my god it's incredibly difficult to build anything out here that you want it's kind of annoying actually but um it but i get why they do it to an extent um some of the stuff's a little egregious but for the most part i i get why they do it it's all safety you know yeah there's reasons that they put these building codes in play yeah and it's not always about money so yeah i mean this all won't be in the podcast because i've 
never actually looked at them in California, but I do hear that they're like really expensive and very extensive. I'm totally. curious about the expensive part versus the extensive, but I was looking up and I think it's going to be like $15,000 for me to build my home to get permits and stuff. And I was like, just in the permit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I build, cause I'm looking at getting a shipping container, building a shipping container home, but we'll see. Nice. It's super super uh, safe in a lot of different types of emergencies. It's more fire resistant yep. and it's uh, more resistant to tornadoes and stuff too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. Oh yeah. So the building regulations, um, it did say like, this is what the coconut fires did for fire regulations. So that is something that I added to my list. Nice. Is, I don't, or cacao nut or coconut because it looks like cacao Yeah. cocoa depending how you say it and then not. So yeah. So I add that to my list. Cause like, and so maybe you can find one of the fire regulations too. I mean, For I, sure. I mean but, I'm sure that the campfire created fire regulations, you know, yeah. like it's, there's, there's definitely going to be new, new things every time there's. So I feel like with natural disasters, with emergencies, things like that, we always are learning something new. Yes. We're always just like, Oh, this happened. Probably should know this. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, definitely. A, a, it's always going to be a learning situation, no matter what. Although I just find it very odd that they say use the same metal they use in the Titanic. <laughs> I, like, I, I guess that would have been a learning lesson, but apparently yeah. not. Like maybe they got it super cheap because no one uses it anymore. They got a hella deal on it, right? Yeah, I, such a um, good deal. That was one of the ones that I came across, and only like one article said that. I was like, that was such, or it was either an article or a podcast. I wish I remember which one, but that was such yeah. an interesting fact that they used it just like years prior. Yeah. And, crazy. and it's it's one of those things that the company knew. They knew that it wasn't safe, but they did it anyways. And I'm sure it's that same thing that like, it's not going to happen to us, but because of their negligence, they yeah. killed 50 people. And Dude. that can't be a good, and um, at least two children that were 10 died. Aww. Yeah. And one unknown person, but um, there was a lot of, because um, it was during the lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people and there were because it was there was like offices and uh, a yard where people ate lunch in and I think there was like factories and stuff nearby and so a lot of people were eating lunch when it exploded and so that's how some of the injuries so they were outside already and not as, I mean the buildings were probably the safest thing to be in and people still died in a you know the firefighting the fire station that was pretty freaking awesome Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was uh, intriguing. And it, it's one of those disasters. I will say the temperature made a difference. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, between the molasses, but also just the temperature in gen- during the winter. If Definitely. it was during summer, it would have, because this is what some people say, like if it was colder, it would have gotten harder, faster. It was summer. It would have gotten further faster because it would have been sticky and more. It would have spread out more. What's velocity, not velo- viscous? Vis- yeah, viscosity. Yeah, the viscosity yeah. would be thinner, less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the viscosity more. would be um, greater, I think, actually. I think you're right. I think it's greater. Yeah, because usually it means, so we're like, you know, we're pretty much armchair meteorologist people. So Armchair um, scientists in general. Armchair scientists in general. Uh, so we, we don't know a lot about this. If you happen to know more, please let us know. Um, not that we're, I want to say not that we're not going to recognize, we're going to recognize it, but we're, yeah. we, we may not continue to move forward with it as base knowledge just because we're trying to absorb so much anyway. <laughs> yeah. And we have lives and jobs and it's like, hmm. yes, you know, Life, this job, is fascinating. School. 
Studying. Both of us have studying soon. So yeah. Oh my God. But we do Don't enjoy this. Me. I know. I but do. I do I have to say, I love this already. And we've recorded a lot in the last two weeks, but it will be going down to mostly once a week. So, I want to hear about Hurricane Andrew. Yes, you do. Yeah, I do. Because I don't think you were born then, were you? Wait, when did you when were you born? What's your birthday? 1987. Oh, you're 87. Okay. Yeah, I'm a so Aquarius. Were... I was born in February 5th, 1987, about eight o'clock in the morning. Oh. Uh, it was oh, a I was brisk... an 80 a.m. baby too. Ah! Oh my God. I was born by the Santa Ana Raceway. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Hurricane Andrew happened in 1992. So you were six-ish? August? August? I don't want to do the math though. Five or Nine. six. Wait, okay, so three would be 90, so I was five? Yeah, I think you're five. Well, when's your birthday? February 5th. So what month was it? You're six, August. Okay. So you're six. This is one extra year. Because 88, I was one. 89, I was two. 90, I was three. 91, I turned four. And then 92, I I turned five. You turned five, yeah. Yeah, So you were almost six years old. I was almost six. There we go. We can math. We can math. We can still math. Uh, 1992, actually, I was a, and this is really sad. I'm actually going to admit my age here. So sad. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. yeah. So uh, this occurred when I lived in Virginia. So it, I don't say it hit home because I wasn't there, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, like, it's just like it was on the East Coast. And it's like, you always worry about these hurricanes because they come up Florida or they hit South Carolina or blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I've been through a handful up in, in Virginia anyway. So, um, so you hear about it and you're just like, Whoa, man, this is crazy. So I remember hearing about it. I remember being in school and seeing the devastation and just be like, Holy shit. Like this is, you have to be prepared for these things. And again, reiterate, ready.gov, a great resource. You're always going to be able to figure out what you need for, for when, and then think about like, what would happen if I was in this situation? So, mm-hmm. um, my resources, uh, I used KTVJ TV, which, um, produced a video, which was posted by another listener, like full on from their video, via, video VHS types. Um, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't do VHS, it was, um, uh, basically our version of a DVD yeah. back in the day. I was going to um, say it's like I, a cassette tape, but with video on it. And I realized yes. that might not work either, except cassette tapes are coming back, but like, I don't know if people understand yeah, like, if they're young enough, they might not know what a cassette tape I, is. It's crazy that I have to actually say something like that, but it's just like we're in that type of era where like we have this mishmash of people who have experience with that stuff and people who yeah. don't. You know what I mean? Some people so, don't know what DVDs are exactly. It's I like guess it was like when we went through eight tracks. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Oh, this is why me and Brett are doing this, by the way. Get out of my brain. Yeah. Yes. I did are. that the other. What was it? The other day, was it us talking to our booze and we both said something? You were talking to your booze? Oh, you, we were talking to our booze, like our husbands. Oh, and, oh. <laughs> and it like was a, like we were talking to our alcohol. I'm like, yeah, we, and that's not uncommon, booze. but sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, I wish it would. We texted because I was like, I literally just said the same. Th- I have to look at it. Oh, now. I know it's it's somewhere in our text. I know what you're talking about, though. I think it was it was just the other, it was fairly recent. You were just like, oh my god, I just said that. You yelled at me um, to get out of your brain. So K KJTV um had. 
um, one newscaster whose name I've completely escaped on it because I didn't write it down and I probably should have, but he was sort of the lead guy and it, and the they did Hurricane Andrew as it happened, which was um, basically a story that they did post the the actual event, right? Okay. And he basically talked about, hey, this is how it happened from a news station point of view. And I was like, that's brilliant, you know, because everybody wants to know, like, you're a news station, you know everything, right? And yeah, they showed them, which was super cool, in the little bunker. He's like, so the beginning of the story actually started out, he's like, for for most of the story, we're going to be filming from down here because this is where we were when it occurred. And I was like, whoa, no wow. shit. They were there in a fucking bunker, you know? That's so incredible. Crazy. Um, so I, I definitely, of course, have sourced, of course, sourced YouTube, Wikipedia, um, businessinsurance.com. Cause again, building codes, this is definitely going to have an effect on it. Um, yeah. the Miami Herald.com and, um, III.org, um, which had an hurricane Andrew fact sheet, which was pretty um, interesting. Uh, so timeline, um, the beginning of, uh, Andrew was a tropical storm found in the Atlantic ocean mm-hmm. heading our way. Um, and it had a west northwest course initially on the 18th, and it was a tropical storm. So they didn't think it was going to kind of pick up much um, momentum at yeah. that time. Oh, uh, yeah. August 19th, they still broadcast it as a tropical storm, again, heading in the general direction of Florida, but still had a northwesterly track. And it had that sort of shift to it that made it look like it was going to spindle out north and just kind of piddle out when it gets to cooler waters. Um, by August 22nd, it had raised to hurricane status with 100 mile per hour winds. August 23rd, um, at that point, they started saying that all the shops locally were in overtime for preparations because they said it was going to be a direct hit to South Florida. Um, okay. And of course, at that time, I think they did have the spaghetti graphs. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but the spaghetti graphs basically show all different calculations in different colors. So it looks like a pile of spaghetti. Uh, where are the, you saying spaghetti graph or spaghetti grass <laughs> graph? <sighs> I don't know why it no, was. A, no, no. Spaghetti it might gra- just be me hearing it too. <laughs> I was spaghetti like, grass. spaghetti grass. Is this a safety mechanism that's used somehow? It's I, my safety word. <laughs> if I say spaghetti grass, stop. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Go on. Go on. That's a frightening safety word. That is. I mean, it works. Uh, I think the guy would be just be like, bye. Bye. <laughs> don't know who you are. Uh, so spaghetti graph. I don't know that they were instituted at that time. They more just used sort of a general. And even then, I don't recall them using the cone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just feel like they just sort of gave like a generalized description of where they think that it was going to hit, but I can't quite remember. Um, evacuations began in the area of Miami and Broward counties on the 22nd all the way through the 24th. And they had buses coordinating to go take people to shelters. Um, they wanted people out of there. And mm-hmm. I made note on here. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. I might have left it. I might have been like, Aww. oh, fuck this. But no, I just thought it was funny because they, inter- oh yeah, I did put it in here. One woman didn't want to leave because of her small dogs. Okay. Yeah. Again, we go back to pet preparation and how important it is. Yeah. Have a kennel or a carrier for yeah. your animal. It doesn't need to be huge and ginormous. If you have a large animal, guess what? They got four legs. They can walk and run next to you. Yeah. If they're scared, 
pick them up with a friend. I don't know. Like it, there's a way for you to get your pets out. And this woman's like, oh no, 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 no. My, my two dogs are going to drown. And I'm like, bitch, please put them in a carrier and take them with you. They ain't going to go nowhere. They're going to follow you to your, uh, I was my no, We talked about that in one of the earlier episodes, I believe when we were talking, I hope so, but I think we did. I know <laughs> anyway. we talked about it, but it might be in the episode where yeah. we were saying emergency preparedness includes your animals. It does. hundred yeah. percent. It does. Yes. So it kind of, it kind of correct me up when she said, I was like, Oh my God, are you serious lady? And like, you know, they talked to other people and of course, you know, and I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, This is, this, this might be um, a falsehood of some sort, but I heard a rumor that now this is hurricane Andrew. So people took it seriously. Mm -hmm. I heard that when storms are named after women, they don't take them as seriously. And hence there's more deaths or injuries. And I'm like, I, I'm going to do some research on this because I don't know how true that is. But if it is, that's fascinating. Yeah. I want to know why. You're not going to trust a woman? Yeah. Why? I mean, Hurricane Katrina fuck shit up. So not going to lie. We're pretty violent. So (laughs) I would think you'd actually trust us more to be more dangerous, but (laughs) Um, so, um, what I did find interesting and didn't do research on, but want to actually come back to this because I know that we're going to kind of approach this as we go through other disasters is the under the, um, the accounting for homeless. So they did Mm. interview several homeless people and they showed video of dozens of people camped out in underpasses in downtown Miami. Mm. Miami was hit really, really hard. And if you're in a tent or you're just out walking around, like that's scary. They had clocked, um, I think they said 164 mile an hour winds. Jesus Christ. And that was in local neighborhoods. Yeah. That's not in areas where there was like, you know, availability for open wind tap. You know what I mean? This is like areas where there's homes, there's things that it's butting against and it's having to, and usually that typically slows stuff down or when it makes landfall, it slows down, but 164 miles an hour, that's just insane. So, and I guess, cause I don't know how, I mean, not that for sure, but how much wind can a human stand without it? picking them up kind of thing, like an Um, average human. So I was watching video of, um, from, from that news station, um, uh, KT VJ TV was doing several broadcasts with, (laughs) interestingly enough, the three broadcasters were sitting. So it was a guy, girl, guy, I I think Uh Garrison was one. And there was a woman and a man and they were the, the weather casters at the time. They're sitting in the bunker with like microphones in their lap, just hunkered down. And there's people outside that you're talking to. And I was like, why are they still out there? <laughs> Get them back inside. So this one guy's outside, big, like huge, like military style glasses. And there's this guy behind him who I assume was only an intern who's Probably. holding him up, holding him up. <laughs> and so I, I just, uh, I just remember looking at this aghast and I was like, you gotta be kidding me, right? This guy's literally holding him up. And he goes, well, you know, I have part of my news crew here because I can't stand without being blown. And he's doing like this back and forth motion and you can clearly see he's being tossed about. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that point they were measuring at like 110 or 120 wow. and unstable. So, or unstable. Um, yeah. Uh, so and yeah. he's holding, hunkering down. So how, how fast yep. are the winds going again? A hundred and I think he said he was, a, a, they were clocking at 110. 110 oh, but, to 120. Um, and how fast are they going when, um, the peak? Yeah. 164. 
wow. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. Nope. Oh, that's heartbreaking. You'd be blown people, off your feet. Yeah, people can't evacuate. People don't have money. Nope. Or the resources. So um, I think a lot. And of course, it's like, it's Florida. Mm-hmm. And I know it's August, which is not a big um, tourist time. Tourist time usually occurs. So like, they call the snowboard effect, snowboard effect where like people are always coming down from the north during the winter time. So usually it's like tourist season occurs around February, April, January, February, March. Mm-hmm. Um, December sometimes, you know, so it's like, it's more of the, the winter time that it occurs, which is not hurricane season. So hurricane season. It's uh, similar to Hawaii yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. So um, the counties uh, or the areas that were heavily affected, South Miami, Coral Gables, Coconut Grove, Kendall, and Dade County as a whole, um, Broward County as a whole, um, at 3.31 a.m. is when the KTV... KTVJ news team went downstairs in the bunker. They literally got off air. Well, they got off air like on like they're in their studio. So they yeah. they weren't like their live mics. or uh, so there was yeah so there was three reporters mm-hmm. um, and all three of them went to the bunker and of course they had all of their staff, their interns, their um, uh, videographers, etc. So the entire staff I was just in this tiny little bunker and it was basically just this sort of concrete encasement and they were still broadcasting because they still had at that time electricity they were using battery backup um direct connections etc so they were able to still continue to kind of uh broadcast to an extent mm-hmm. however the radar went out at some time and i'm i thought i wrote it in here but maybe i didn't um, but at, at a certain point they were like, okay, our radar's out. Oh yeah, it's right here. Miami radar was taken out at 5am. So here's the tough thing about this situation. Um, people are preparing, they're getting ready. Uh-huh. They are hunkering down, but the storm hit landfall or made landfall at five in the morning. So oh. who's awake? No one. You're preparing the night before for like, okay, hurricane's coming tomorrow. You don't know how fast or slow it's going. You only have the news to tell you. You turn off, you go to bed. Oh, shit. By the way, your roof is coming off at 5 a.m. Yeah. Like that's how people were waking up. And the interesting thing is the more and more stories I read, that was the case. You were literally woken out of bed by something happening. Your doors were rattling. Your windows got blown in. Debris came through your house your power went out and like your dog started barking, whatever the case may be, but literally so everything scary. just went to shit in the middle of your sleep. Yeah. So, um, right, Miami radar, too. yeah, you're completely disoriented. You're waking up and you're like, what the fuck's going on? You know I yeah. mean? I don't know because you knew a hurricane was yeah. coming, but, but to wake you up, it's a little bit different than sitting there waiting scary. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I remember watching, so I'm watching this, this, um, this video, and they said that in Kendall, um, which is an area south of Miami, I think it's a kind of south uh, west-ish uh, of Miami, that there, there was a guy on the phone who said there has literally been zero breaks in the wind. The wind was constant. And so um, you've seen, and I know that, I know that you've experienced debris or if you, you know, we've talked about it, but, mm-hmm. and, I, and other people who are listening to this podcast have talked about it or heard about it, but you have rain bands. And similarly, you can have wind bands. So mm-hmm. like essentially you just have like, bah, 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 you get a break, bah, 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 you get a mm-hmm. break. Or like when you get to the eye of the storm, there's like that huge break where it's just like, yeah, oh, quiet, beautiful. The creepy break. Yes. Um, so Kendall got no breaks, literally none. Wow. They were straight up just hit, 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 hit. It's hit. just how they were hitting the, how the hurricane was hitting them that they never yep. got the eye. Nothing. 
So um, that's where they recorded the 165 or six to four mile per hour peak. And so you're watching videos or I was watching videos of this and I'm looking at this wind and it's just, it looks like a whiteout because the wind's whipping so hard and pulling Mm -hmm. anything with it, dust, debris, water, anything. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's just epically crazy to hear it. Um, I don't know so, why, but I just imagine a dolphin. It, I, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> my, my mind's such fucked up that it's like, I, I can't make a dolphin noise. <laughs> yeah. And like in the air, like flying Funny by. Funny story. They actually did feature an area where they showed fish. <laughs> They're like, oh. here's a fish out of water, probably blown by the wind. And there I was like, you go. Yep. Okay. Um, Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Storm surge. It's okay. <laughs> it made me laugh. Storm surge was anywhere between 13 to 15 feet. Intense. Like literally just came up and engulfed everywhere it could. What's um, the surge exactly? Is that the water? The so storm surge is when water comes up. Like, so if you have oceanfront property or like if you, it's basically just the oceanfront. Mm-hmm. Storm surge is when, um, because the winds are so high, uh, the storm is approaching the waves are significantly higher and they mm-hmm. come significantly further into land. Okay. So okay. That's what I so, thought. Okay. And then they measure the point to where it hit the highest. So at this yeah. point they were saying that storm surges were between, depending on where you were, <sighs> 13 to 15 feet, which is very wow. high. Um, I remember watching this video and listening to a woman talk about how they had boat paraphernalia in their house, which yay for them because they were able to grab floats, life preservers, vests, et cetera, put them on because their house was flooding. And she said she remembered hanging onto the banister of her upstairs apartment or upstairs house, watching Mm. her furniture float by outside. Holy shit. I was like, can you imagine? No. Like, that's so like, devastating. Yeah, can't even... Fa- I mean, you have to be in shock, too. And, like, how you're just huh, working oh off instinct just to survive. And you're just... Yep. Like, like, I feel like that's something that you don't really, like... It doesn't hit you till later on, too. Till you're like, no. I have PTSD. nothing. I bet yes. you everybody has PTSD oh. from this event. This I mean, I have minor PTSD from being in an earthquake to where mm-hmm. when anything shakes around me, I think it's going to happen again. But I... Yeah that wasn't even that bad for me. So I can't yeah. even imagine that extremity. I, I can't either. And it just, it blows my mind. Um, the next day they had news reporters go out and kind of check out the area. And the weird thing is, is like they say, well, actually it's not the next day. It was mm-hmm. later that afternoon. It moved through fairly quickly. Um, and that's actually one of the scary things about what we're going through right now is that hurricanes are actually slowing down, which is not a good thing at all. Uh, with mm-hmm. climate change, we have to change because if hurricanes are slow, that's a bad that's bad news for us. It's more damage, fast. more yeah. damage, longer prolonged damage, more rain, more wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they went out. I think around eleven o'clock noon is like I think where most of these times were quoted where they went out. Um, one reporter went out and looked at Tem Miami Airport. They showed small planes flipped over and on the other side of the, the airport. Uh, wow. they were, and I was like, whoa, the one of them, then they had an interview with somebody and she said, you know, the most eerie thing about this particular, or this particular situation, she said after Hurricane Andrew, there's no <clears throat> emergency vehicles. This anywhere. particularly dangerous situation. This particularly dangerous Sorry, situation. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> you said this particular, no, every yeah. time um, this, they didn't have any, no emergency around. vehicles. Nobody oh, wow. It was quiet. And That's, it's like a ghost. And then town. when you start to look at what happened, then you're like, oh, now I know why. 
they were leveled. Leveled. Oh. Leveled. I-95 was blocked. Signs, lights down. They actually had one of the reporters did a report from his vehicle. He was laying down on the, um, where the, where you put your feet, the footwell with mm. his head on the seat and his, his photographer, his videographer is right across from him videoing him. And he goes, I'm laying down here. We are underneath the railway station. There was basically this, these concrete pylons that they were under. And they said the car was being tossed about. He said, I could feel it lift. I, we had to get out of the wind. Mm-hmm. So we're here, we're hunkering down. He's like, we're going to film as long as we can until the battery runs out. And I was like, God, this is like straight up disaster shit, right? Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Um, Please go on. Yes. <laughs> this is like um, entrancing I, me. I know it's intense. Um, over a million people were without power. Uh, they had said that, uh, that Broward County, I think was about 67, almost 70% without power. Mm-hmm. And Dade County was well over 80% without power. So everybody was just, there's no, there's nothing, literally mm-hmm. nothing. There is, I actually wrote my notes. So this is the town, Perry, Perrine, Perrine. Uh, and I actually wrote P-E-R slash I-N-E like nine because I didn't want to mispronounce it. I appreciate <laughs> so, you so much. Thank you. Uh, Perrine uh, was where they had um, a couple of structures that were up. There was a school, there was mm-hmm. a church and people were hunkering down in there. Two school buses were blown a hundred feet and tossed like toys and they were blown into a church and i thought holy shit that's school wow. buses are heavy oh my god heavy. yeah so how is it a school bus wow 100 feet so uh, one guy actually witnessed it and he said it was the most crazy thing to actually see in person it was because he happened to be near an open window stress open because if it was closed you're stupid you're gonna get that blown in your face it's gonna um, shatter i mean it's dumb anyway but uh i'm surprised he survived good for you buddy uh south dade had 90 percent of their structures damaged so ex- extreme damage um the one that people remember the most or that's the most memorable is the homestead um area Homestead had um, the Air Force Base destroyed. That, to me, is a red flag. Yeah. In terms of a hurricane coming through, taking things out, like, that's that's intense. Yeah. Um, an Air Force Base, to me, is one of those places that I feel like people would go to for safety. Yeah. And there were F-16s that were tossed about like toys. There were complete hangers in just, they were leveled, 100% leveled. Um, all the whole area was just shut down. And the mayor, so the mayor at the time, or the governor, I'm sorry, it was the governor because uh, he was a lieutenant somewhere. So it was lieutenant governor. And I can't remember his last name because I didn't write it down. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, I should write this down. But he had a very fancy Southern accent. And when he said hurricane, he said hurricane. And hurricane? I loved it. hurricane. <laughs> this is the most powerful hurricane I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, I love um, it. But he said he's never seen, and so he's a lieutenant governor, which indicates again to me that there was a military involvement for this guy, or that he's had experience in the military. Yeah, he'd never seen, and his quote was, "He's never seen a nuclear attack, but would envision it would look something like this." Wow. Yeah. Frightening. Just Frightening. Just like how many things were leveled, just and thrown, just it just gone. I'm completely gone. I, I still can't fathom it. Like yeah. I, it's just really hard. And it's to like fathom. it's not even 
rescue. And one girl had a really great outlook. She talked about how she had grown up in her house. And she said, you know, I grew up here. I was born here. I was raised in this house. I was watching pictures come off the wall. And she's like, you know, what are you going to do? It's nature. Nature's just going to take it, take what it wants. And I was like, you're right, girl. It's going to take it back. It's like dark too. Right. But she had a good outlook on it. You know, she was, I don't want to say she was positive, but she was a realist, you know? Yeah. So what category was it? That actually was very intriguing because almost everything that I looked at never indicated, excuse me, what category it was. And I was like, are you, what the fuck? Are you kidding? Like I, how, how was that not mentioned? Um, but after doing some, some research, I did determine that it actually was a category five. Okay. Yeah. Um, it ha- I, so, I'm assuming. So I was like, that has to be up there. Yep. So it was a category five. It officially hit on August 24th around 4.35 a.m. with speeds up to, it says, no, it says speeds up to 165. Yeah. Um, like I said, the only one I knew about that was officially clocked was the one in Kendall at 164. So, but still, the ones, that's, it's a category five. Yeah. Like, what do you, it's yeah. crazy, you know? Um, 250,000 people were left homeless. Oh, they the, a quarter homestead, million. yeah, it's it's a lot. And like I said, <sighs> Homestead was the most memorable because that was a huge trailer park community. Mm-hmm. And trailer parks do not they no. It's um there were twenty six deaths attributed to this particular uh, natural disaster, and mm-hmm. two thousand. I'm sorry, twenty five thousand five hundred twenty four homes were destroyed. The insured losses. And this is where they get the the bulk of their money because again, people are smart. Most people are smart and they mm-hmm. get insurance. Folks, mm-hmm. get yourself insured. The insurance losses, and this is coming from the iii.org site. Um, this is the insurance site that I was looking at um, mm-hmm. because again, this is what kind of prompts change. Um, insured losses were 27.3 billion um, wow. in 2017. So still a lot of money. They said that the population has actually increased, which surprises me because I would think if you have natural disasters, you'd want to run away from that area, but no, Mm. you don't. Um, Storm surge, nearly 3 million homes are at risk from storm surge flooding. Yet still live there. Don't get it. Yeah, that's why I don't want to beachfront property. Not not interested. My parents live in my, well, they're, they live in Port St. Lucie and they're moving to Miami. And I'm like, Mm. uh, do you have a death wish? Like just. Why? It's so nice there. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like oh, it's so warm and moist. I'm like, it's almost too warm. Somewhere where there's not that shit going. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the good thing is, is that um, Florida's, build, Florida's building codes were substantially overhauled after Andrew. There is a uniform set of codes across the state, and they can stipulate that all new structures undergo tougher inspections and be built with shatterproof glass and straps to reinforce the connection between the roof and the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look through most of the pictures in on the internet uh, with regards to Andrew, you're going to see that roofs were torn from the homes. Yeah. You would see that pretty much everything like is level to the foundation. However, it's the roof issue. That was the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. They had so much damage. And I, I think part of it was because, you know, they were building, 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 and it was growing, growing, growing. And it's, they didn't provide the wind load 
that was needed for something like that, knowing full well that they were in a hurricane environment, which is very yeah. frustrating. Um, so I'm hoping that thing, places like Tornado Alley and Joplin and the areas that we talked about in the first podcast are using this information to create a better like coding system. Yeah, so that... You know, and interestingly enough, I think, oh God, I can't remember it now. Oh, I wish it was. It starts with a D. What is it? Deltrack? Del. I think that's it. Del, Deltrack or Deltrack or something. Deltrack. I, Del I think it is. Deltrack. I wrote it those down somewhere. Only, those are the only homes that survived in the Bahamas because oh, of wow. how they were built. Yeah. And during Dorian. And I was like, okay, why aren't we all building these homes? I need to look at this more is what I need to do. Right? So one of the things that they implemented, um, and it's in a very important addition to the to the codes that they've added, was that the requirement was for missile impact resisting glass. And that means it can withstand high velocity impact from wind-borne debris, mm -hmm. which usually comes from a hurricane and or a tornado. So wow. that was like prevent. So it's to prevent water from getting into the building and preventing direct damage to the person themselves, you know, like yeah. they're not going to get impaled by something. So, so in my head, I kind of imagine in a way, like, you know, how a windshield, when you break it, it breaks as kind of one piece usually. Right. To like withhold. I, I mean, I'm sure it's more than that, but I do kind of think like even something like that makes a huge difference. Huge like difference. Like when the, glass doesn't just straight up shatter and it kind of hold if it shatters as a whole piece yes and then and then eventually just comes down as those tiny little you know what i mean but it's yeah. not something that's like a giant shard of glass yes <laughs> that's like something that we've seen in like 1970s films where people are like the slasher films yes, <laughs> yes. Those huge shards uh, of glass well and, and like think, that that's what i, I envision yeah and i think one of the tips too that you're talking about is like when you're talking about you should have your windows open yes. uh, at certain times because because also it's like pressurizing within the home and outside the home makes Correct. a difference. Yes. So that is a really... So again, as we say, ready.gov, but also know what does that Learn the time when to do that. <laughs> yeah. Learn learn these these tips and even put them down in a notebook so when something's happening, maybe you're bunkered down. You'd be like, should we be doing anything else? Because, you know, when disaster strikes, sometimes you just go in instinct mode and also your brain might pause. But yeah. these are great things to know. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, what, given, given our experience, I feel like you and I are going to be podcasting after the apocalypse. So there's that people start listening now. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to leave with this. It's coming from businessinsurance.com. Mm -hmm. Most of the house is built in South Florida since Andrew R. Cinderblock masonry construction reinforced with concrete pillars, hurricane strapped roof trusses and code requirements for adhesives and types of roofing. So this is something mm -hmm. that was not around when Hurricane Andrew came through. And that's why there was so, so, so many losses. Um, just an intense amount. And again, you know, I gave just some brief details. I looked at a couple of things. I know that there was actually a close friend of mine that actually went through Andrew. I don't know that she was there per se at the time that it occurred, but I remember mm -hmm. her talking about it and looking at it thinking like, Holy shit, this is this is the this it's apocalyptic. Yeah. It legitimately is and then again the lieutenant got over enough time said this is like a nuclear event. It's yeah, it was nuts. So lesson learned in there, again, kind of like Boston, you have your building codes. Now yeah. we have better regulations, we have stronger homes. I hope we continue to build this way because it's mm -hmm. like the climate's not changing in a good way. So cat five hurricane, 
And I said hurricane because that's what it was. It literally was a hurricane. It put a hurting on Florida. Florida is a swamp. It's not going to last very long. And I wish my parents would move out of there, but they won't. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go visit them soon. I'm yeah. not visiting them now. I'm like, no, it's freaking hurricane season. I'm a dumb. You've got to wait after. Now? I'm going after hurricane season. So yeah. Oh, um, I got to tell Brett the other day. We're pretty excited that I realized that my my friend's partner works for the USGS. Totally yeah. good. We need to go visit him. We need to just be like, can we like do like a tour? <laughs> that was an amazing, amazing roundup of it, Hurricane I, Andrew. I enjoyed everything thoroughly. Molasses and Andrew. Yay. Doing so all the research. These were really interesting to research. I feel totally. like I really totally. wish I could find more information on the molasses flood. I really could. I tried. I tried to see what was happening before and after. So that's why I did some extra digging. Yeah. Of finding out who owned what. When, I could find a but, lot more, but that's, it's a lot. Like there's a ton of it. I mean, there was yeah. articles written in 2002, 10 oh, years wow. later. And then there was articles written in 2012. 20 uh, years later, there was articles in 2017, 25 years later. I mean, literally there's yeah. so much information on, on hurricane Andrew and like where people are now, mm-hmm. um, how did it affect the neighborhoods, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, the biggest thing that came from it was the building codes. Like yeah. that, that was a huge push to keep improving building. Yeah. One of the helpful things was, um, the molasses flood was a hundred years ago this last Jan. So because oh, it's 1919, it's 2019. So, hey. Bo- and I think that's where Boston and Boston Globe had like, what's it like a hundred years later, or, you know, a hundred years after the Boston molasses yeah. flood and like talking nice. about it. So that was interesting. Awesome. Um, I didn't read all of them because a lot of them I wanted like the now or, you know, yeah. what happened then, but maybe I could have got, I think, I think our information is perfect. I don't think anybody wants to be here for two hours listening to us talk. <laughs> I think an hour-ish is good enough. Ish. It might get up to an hour and a half at some point. I think that's fine. But so, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, we, guys. Oh, my gosh. We appreciate it so much. Love you. We love you so Love much you. Already. Mean it. <laughs> for real. If you want to tell us how much you love us, please email to email us exactly you can email us at p dangerous situation at gmail.com we both look at the emails probably we'll see we haven't had i will eventually yet. yeah <laughs> we, we don't have any emails yet if you want to tweet at us because we're hip and we know how to say words like tweet at us you can i don't know how to use twitter so that's all brie <laughs> i'm gonna teach brett so i don't have to do it all by myself no i need to we are on that twitter at PDS Podcast, PDS Podcast. If you want to slide into our DMs, like Ooh. our pictures, or follow Ooh. us on Instagram, you can find us at PDS Podcast also. Yep. And through the link tree on either Twitter or Instagram, you can find our website. Um, and I'm going to tell you to go through the link tree because it's like a Wix site and it's long and just go through there because it might change one day. Link tree. Link tree. Yes. I like your link tree hand. You can't see it, but Brett was doing <laughs> My a little link thing. tree hand motion here. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe. Oh, yeah. That's it. So please subscribe oh. to us. Um, oh, and... Please, if you can, go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. If you do that, it helps us so much. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Your other feather feather weather friends. Feather weather. Feather weather. 
Feather weather. I like that. <laughs> Fair weather friends. So yeah. Um, guys, duck and cover. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, guys, duck and cover. I'll be back. One day we'll say it at the same time <laughs> without me editing it to say it the same time.